following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, September 6, 2017, Season 13, Episode number 33. Welcome to a new edition of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios. We've got a lot to get into today. We've got uh, results from uh, Zeke Elliott's appeal. Uh, that came down yesterday. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about more as to what's to come for Ezekiel Elliott. We'll also get into Cowboys versus Giants today. We're going to talk about the Giants offense um, and some of the, the uh, things Cowboys are going to have to face defensively in trying to stop Eli Manning and crew. Uh, but before we get to that, how's everybody doing this morning? We're doing good. Good. Everybody good. is doing good. Very good. All right, let's jump right in. Let's talk about Ezekiel Elliott. Yesterday, uh, the word comes down yesterday evening that the appeal uh, to Harold Henderson was denied. Um, and so uh, the, the thing that came out of that that was most interesting, I thought, was, and we talked a little bit about this on the show yesterday, um, it seems as though even though there isn't a written rule that, that if they don't have something to the teams about these suspensions on Tuesday by Tuesday afternoon, uh, that, they would, uh, that, that it, would, it, it wouldn't affect that week's game. Sounds like it did affect this week's game, and because of that, even though the appeal was denied, Ezekiel Elliott will still be able to play this weekend versus the Giants, and then presumably uh, the suspension would start next week. Now that's all pending also, uh, this thing that's going to happen this Friday. Dave, what do you know about, I guess, at this point, what do you know about what's going to happen Friday and how that could affect Ezekiel going forward beyond just this week? As far as I understand it, it's everything. I mean, Amos Mazant is going to rule on this temporary restraining order injunction. I think those are the same thing. I didn't go to law school, but it's basically, it's a stay. It's a yeah. stay of the suspension. He's going to rule on whether it has merit. If it if he rules in Zeke's favor, then the suspension is stayed while this whole thing gets sorted out in court, which, if I had to guess, will take a long time, and it gives him a very good shot of being available for the whole season, if not, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, if he rules against Zeke, then he's suspended after, I would imagine, Monday morning right after the Giants game, and he'll serve it weeks two through probably eight because I think there's a bye week in there somewhere. So you got you start with Denver, and he'll, I think he'd be due to come back um, the week at the, the Redskins. The Redskins game, okay. I think. which would At the Redskins. Yes. So you trade a division game for another division game, basically. You lose him for the Redskins, but gain him for the Giants or something. Which may be preferable. Well, yeah, I mean, so... Giants seems to be the harder of those two games, but who knows? I, feel, I mean, that's another conversation, but I feel like people don't aren't giving the Redskins a lot of credit this year. Well, relative to the Giants. Sure. But anyway, we'll okay. get into that, that Giants yeah. discussion. Nick, I, I know yesterday you mentioned you were talking about uh, your expectations for the appeal. And so I wonder, were you were you surprised? I know you thought that yeah. it would get decre- decreased. Were you surprised? Sounds like it won't be decreased at all. Right. It sounds like now it's 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 either going to be six or zero. There's no chance to. I don't. Down. It's six. I don't think there's a zero. I mean, the only way it's zero is if he wins in court. Right. I guess which that's point? Right. Which and right. which I guess when that would be served though. I guess that's my point. I'm sorry. You're right. right. Yeah. But if it, it it's going to be. 
next year though if that if he wins in court you know what i'm saying i mean right. so. i think i think something that's getting overlooked here is the fact that it, i don't know if it's just the tuesday deadline i think also Saturday's deadline is important too for the league. I mean, because most players that are suspended go straight to that list. And the Cowboys, they didn't have to cut anybody for David Irving or or Demontre Moore. So they had to cut someone for Ezekiel Elliott. So if you're going to come back and say, all right, now he is suspended, you had to make roster moves for that. They don't know that Andy Jones wasn't a player that they wanted to keep and had to cut, and now the Texans have. I mean, they don't know all that. They made a roster move because of it and now they had to change it so that I think factored into this week as well I think that I mean they didn't have to do that I think it was it's weird to say because this whole thing has been incredibly contentious but it was basically a show of good faith like hey you know we didn't really get this to you in a manner that is in keeping with competitive advantage and your roster needs and all that you had to keep this guy on the team so they're letting him play for a game which honestly I'm a little bit surprised. Like I said, this whole thing has been incredibly contentious. I figured they'd yank him out of there. So, Amber, looking at all this stuff and everything that's happened I'm just here. saying out of the conversation, <laughs> just because I think this thing has been such a big mess since the beginning, and it's so hard for me to form an opinion on everything that's going on just because I really don't understand all the facts. I mean, it's been pretty confusing, the whole process of it. And aside from that, I still, till this point, don't know what's true and what isn't. So it's hard for me to argue, like, yeah, should, should they reduce the suspension, take it off or not? Yeah, the process of the whole thing has been terrible. And that is something that the NFL should fix. And that's something that you should battle against. But at the same time, aside from all that, Given the fact of uh, the reason of the suspension, I still don't know how much of it is true or not. So I'm just staying out of it. Let's Amber, see what happens. Pretty good for staying out of it. Don't you know that you're supposed <laughs> to shoot from the hip and worry about whether or not you have it right later? I mean, that's it's the, the way, American way, right? That's the way this goes in 2017. I mean, it's cool to be speculating. Oh, this might happen. This might not. But I'm, I'm just tired of it. I, I'm just ready for the whole thing to end and come to a conclusion, which doesn't seem like that will be the case. It you seems know what, like it's going to be taking a longer time. Yeah, you know what's interesting about that opinion that you just gave is I think that probably is about 90% of fans out there. And I think that's really the issue for the NFL is they've created this secondary court, essentially. But the secondary court is not what we know of an American justice system. It's not based upon necessarily rules of what's proper, what's right, what's just. It's based upon precedence. It's not based upon anything more than basically comes down to one man's judgment, one man's judgment as to what's best for the league. And that doesn't even have anything necessarily to do with whether there are there's there's corroborating evidence that this is true or this is true. It's I look at all the facts, I look at all the evidence, I look at all the things I think, and then I, as a single person being the commissioner, make a decision. And I think it leaves fans, like like what you just expressed, I think it leaves fans in a situation where they don't understand the process, they don't understand the facts, and they just feel like, what's going on here? I, I, I can't understand what's going on with this whole situation. Does, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, even if the facts and the evidence is all there, let's say he should deserve the suspension. Even if that was the case, it's still hard something it's still 
something hard to argue with when the process is completely messed up. So it's like one thing against the other, and you just don't know, obviously, whether the evidence... Like, if he does deserve the suspension, I don't know. But if he does, I mean, he should get it. But at the same time, it, it's the process is so messed up that it's just a hard argument. How does the NBA and MLB avoid this? Because, I mean, I know that they've got... 600 to a thousand guys in their league they're definitely not all angels they definitely all they definitely guys in those leagues get in legal trouble but and maybe it's because i'm not what neck deep in it like i am with the nfl but what? i just don't it doesn't seem like they have to deal with this where like literally every year in the nfl there is a situation like this where a fan base or a player is fighting the league about something arbitrary i mean it, it's zeke right now it's it was Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just every year, like I said, I think you can go back and find an example where there's this like contentious court situation where nobody really understands what's going on, and it kind of just bumps well, maybe maybe out. maybe that's their answer right there is what Derek was just saying. Maybe that you know Adam Silver just kind of he's a commissioner of the NBA. He doesn't really try to be sheriff of like the the league as well. I mean that that right. might be part of it. Yeah. But you know, I think I think if you're the Giants, they have a right to be frustrated with this as well. I mean, this is this is one of the star players of the league that's going to play uh, this game because they didn't get their stuff together for a few days. They missed it by a few days. So 13 months that they waited on this. Then they, I think they tried to just kind of throw it in there and say, oh, okay, and then the, maybe the Cowboys would back down or, or the Zeke, Zeke would back down. Uh, and maybe they would try to appeal it and get it reduced or whatever. But he took it to a higher court and is going to take it to an even higher one. And now, I mean, because of of all this, that the Giants are the ones that, you know, they have to face this this player. And I don't know if he's going to – I don't know how great he's going to be or good he's going to be, but it's just kind of a weird situation that it came down to a couple of days when they had so much time to do this. But, yeah, they want to play him anyway. That's what, Lan that's what Landon Collins said yesterday. He's, he's wrong. He, I mean, he's lying. He doesn't want to play. You don't want to play Zeke over, over, um, you know, Darren McFadden and Alfred Morris. I bet. I think Ben McAdoo probably feels that way, but I bet Landon Collins wants to play him. I, like when you're like that, when you're that dude, Damon Harrison wants to stuff Zeke. Like yeah. he doesn't want to stuff Darren. I, to be honest with you, I think they probably look at it well, like we've stopped him before. We think we can stop him again. Okay, sure. you're Orlando Scandrick. You want thirteen or not? Probably not. <laughs> That's, I mean, I don't know that the Cowboys have a defensive back on par with Landon Collins or Janoris Jenkins, for that matter. So, well, the, I, that's but no, I mean, I'm joking around. I know it's just like but. when you're a competitor at that level, you probably I, they probably do want 13. Skandrick, Skandrick would never tell you that he doesn't want 13. And to be yeah. honest with you, I think I kind of would believe him that he's okay with the idea of going out and covering Beckham. And even if he gets beat some plays, he feels like I'll hold my own. I'll win my, yeah. my fair share as well. I don't think he's I don't think NFL that's, players by and large are afraid of the competition. That's the scary part though. Holding your own and maybe give up a player or two. That was Brandon Carr's game against Beckham last year. True. He he had a really nice game against them, but they, they he gave up a slant over the middle. I think Church or Wilcox or one of the two didn't didn't do their job. Touchdown, and that was the difference in the game. So, you know, these games are so close yeah. that you know, you can't just – it's just one or two plays here and there could change everything. Let's jump right in. Let's talk about Cowboys versus Giants. We're going to talk about this Giants offense. Um, and I guess let's start with the quarterback. Um, last year when the Cowboys played the Giants, Eli had pretty much 
almost exactly statistically the same day in both those two games. He was 19 for 28, 207 yards, three touchdowns and an interception in the first game, and then 17 of 28, uh, 193 yards, a touchdown and an interception in the second game. Uh, nothing that was spectacular from a statistical standpoint, but enough to win. He got his, game, his team in the end zone three times in the first game, got him in the end zone one time in the second game. Um, what Was there anything that stood out in that game that you can remember back that you thought that he did particularly well or didn't do particularly well against the Cowboys? Well, he he gets the ball out quickly. And so I, mean, I know later on we're going to talk about their offensive right. line. And, and I think that's one of the ways that they get past having a line that's not so good is because – he he doesn't he doesn't sit there and hold the ball for very long and to, you have to have quick speedy receivers or strong receivers to do that and so that they've kind of surrounded himself with with some really good playmakers uh both young and old i guess if you'd say Brandon Marshall's old but um by NFL standard but yeah, yeah. But uh, very productive, and so and so I think that he's got good weapons around him. He gets the ball out quick. Um, he he's never been the most mobile, but sure does play every game. I mean, you can say what you want about his dumb faces and the, you know whatever they call it, but he's tough. You know, he's tough as nails because he doesn't ever miss games. Yeah, and he's not like he's avoiding a lot of big hits. You mentioned that offensive line. That offensive line gave up only twenty two sacks last year. As suspect as they are. That's third best in the league. So, yes. That's him. He, that, That's, exactly. And then yeah. my point is, as a unit, they know how to get the ball out. They don't take a lot of a, a lot of uh, sacks because of their their play for however good or bad we think it is. Uh, that that means something. And that, that means something, especially now that he has some better weapons than he had last year um, in his receivers and tight ends. Yeah. And the thing that, that – maybe not scares, but the thing that I'm looking at is that he they have surrounded him with guys that he can get the ball to quickly. Yeah. Odell Beckham doesn't I mean, Brandon Marshall maybe he's more of a traditional like, you know, deep threat. I don't think of him as like a quick twitch speedy guy. He's like a long strider, but Beckham, Shepard, um and then this Ingram kid, I'm terrified of what Evan Ingram might do for their offense and the fact that I, you're not looking at guys that need a long time to get down the field and get open, and I think that's what it's going to look like. Talk to me about Evan Ingram. You did the draft show last year. Talk to me about he was a, he's a rookie this year. Uh, what what things coming out of college were things that he supposedly did well? What things maybe did he not do so well? Well, it's a misnomer to really label him a tight end because he's just a big-bodied receiver. That's what he is. I mean, he's he's that – He's not even as bulky as like Jimmy Graham though, but he's that Jimmy they you know the red zone Jimmy Graham go up and get the ball fast tight end who's probably not going to help you a lot as a blocker. Having said that, and you know people kind of derided the Giants when they picked him because they're like you had a chance to to upgrade your offensive line and you took a you know a, a non-blocking tight end instead, you know, you need a you need to block for Eli so he can get the ball to all these receivers. Um they, I think they could have had Ryan Ramchek, the Wisconsin tackle, and they decided not to go that way. Um, so, but having said that, it's been it's been impressive that he's he's playing three downs. He's doing everything for them. Like they're not, he's not doing sub package stuff. He doesn't have like a limited role. He's just their number one tight end, which I did not expect. Knowing what I know about his skill set, I didn't think he'd be ready for that right off the bat. And no, he's not going to be Jason Witten, but if he can do just enough to help in the blocking game and stuff, if he's on the field, 
you know, 90% of their snaps, I have a feeling he's going to be trouble to deal with. Yeah, I hear Brian say this all the time about tight ends blocking. It's more about the, the willingness of the blocker than sometimes it is your ability to block. If you know how to get in the way, you know how to turn your body a certain way. You're willing to do it. Exactly. Then you can be you can be an effective blocker. You're not be great, uh, but you can be an effective blocker. And so from that standpoint, maybe that's okay. how they look at it this first year is can they get him to be an effective blocker? Just, you know, get in the way. Make sure he opens it. You know, just move your body a certain way and just be in the way. Keep a guy from getting between you and the, I mean, and the ball carrier. Truth be told, and I'm sure he'd be upset with me saying this, but I bet Jason Witten, that's pretty much – the way his career started as a blocker. Now, has he developed uh, technique along the way? Sure. You know, but, but I think for the most part, he's been a willing blocker. He knows how to use leverage, get in the way. And then, you know, he's kind of picked up some, some, you know, tricks of the trade al along the way. But I think that that's kind of how it started with him. You know, he's never been having this overpowering strength, but he can block defensive ends and he'll wham the nose. Wham the nose. Is that the story? <laughs> if, if they, uh, it's, if it needs to be. It's going to be interesting to watch because, like I said, I mean, they had a chance. They could have gotten a tackle that they could plug right in there, and no, everybody knows that that's a weakness for the Giants, and they decided not to do it. And tight end is such a hard position to adapt to. I mean, you think about first-round tight ends in the last five years. Most of them don't make a huge impact in year one. Uh, Eric Ebron is a guy that's burned me in fantasy more times than I can count. But – if if he plays as well as the re reviews indicate out of training camp, and that's not a guarantee, I know that, but if, I mean, the reviews have been great. And if he is ready to go at that level right away, that will be, I mean, that sounds like it would be really good for them. I, I have high expectations for what he might be. And, and really if you see, sorry, if you see some of the preseason games and some of the plays he's made, with Eli, you can tell they've had a pretty good connection. He was somewhat of a constant target for him. So the connection between them two has been pretty good as compared to Marshall, which he, I believe he missed two preseason right. games to, due to an injury. Problem, yeah. So the only good side of that, aside from him being a great player as well, is that he hasn't had as much time in real game time with him on the field with Eli. So let's hope that works in a positive but way for the I'll, Cowboys. I'll say this about Brandon Marshall, I, and I believe I'm right on this one. He, he's the only player in the history of the NFL to make the Pro Bowl with four different teams. Thousand-yard seasons with four different teams, yeah. He's one of my – Thousand, two? He has had a thousand yards with four different clubs. Yeah, and he, so I know, I know, you know, there's been some Pro Bowlers for three different teams, but not four, and – you know, I don't know if he has a chance for five. We'll, we'll see. But to to your point, or to offset that point, I I think he's picked it up with with different quarterbacks. You know, here and there, and most and, of them haven't been great. Most of them are not at the at the level of Eli Manning. So uh, I think he'll be he'll be fine. Plus, he's not the he's not the guy that scares you the most on that team. Yeah, and we're gonna take a break right now. When we come back from break, I do want to talk about these wide receivers, particularly Odell Beckham. We'll talk a little bit more about Brandon Marshall and also Sterling Shepard. We'll do it when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. We, the entertainment-loving people, demand the best unlimited wireless plan ever from AT&T. What else do you want, a unicorn? Maybe. Only AT&T offers you unlimited data with HBO included and never pay overages. Get AT&T Unlimited Plus, our best wireless deal on unlimited data. Plus save $25 per month on DirecTV. It's entertainment your way. After 22 gigabytes of data usage, AT&T may slow speeds. Plan includes stream saver and videos will stream in standard definition unless you turn it off. $25 DirecTV savings requires AT&T Unlimited Plus. Credit start within three bills. Service prices subject to change. Other usage, speed, fees, charges, and restrictions apply. See at unlimited for details. 
Hey, Cowboys fans. Did you know that over the next few years, more than a million service members will transition from military to civilian life? Veterans face unique challenges when they get out of the military, and Bank of America and the Dallas Cowboys are teaming up to help with financial education, career opportunities, and support of military nonprofits and organizations locally in North Texas and across the country. We're proud to support our troops and are deeply grateful for the dedication and sacrifice of our service members and veterans. Bank of America, official bank of the Dallas Cowboys, invites you to join us in our efforts to get involved by tagging game day photos on social media using hashtag TroopThanks, that's hashtag TroopThanks, and by learning more about our commitment to veterans at bankofamerica.com slash military support. Together, we can thank our troops in ways that make a real difference. Copyright 2016, Bank of America Corporation. Bowling night with friends and you're hanging out together You picked up a spare but you're craving something better A thirst runs deep inside, you don't know what to do You crave a nice cold Dr. Pepper and a hero to save you Grave Rider! You ride the wave of Dr. Pepper when you're craving Dr. Pepper Grave Rider! When you crave a Dr. Pepper, nothing else will do Pick up an ice cold 20 ounce bottle today Dr. Pepper I hear all this talk about what it takes to be a cowboy. Everyone's got their ideas, but I just say to myself, it's what's up top that matters. Sure, you need men with the muscle and heart to get her done, but if your scouts and coaches are listening out there, a word of advice. Pick the man with the most well-worn Stetson. That's the one most cut out to be a cowboy. Stetson hats are handmade right here in Texas and have been on cowboys' heads for over 150 years. The rest of you can visit stetson.com cowboy to find a retailer nearest you back to the break welcome backward the second segment of the break live from the swbc mortgage studios we're talking cowboys versus giants today we're focusing in on the giants offense we've talked about eli manning we talked about his new tight end evan ingram we talked about the offensive line a bit now let's talk about the skill position the wide receivers um let's start first with odell beckham he has uh he experienced an i think it was an ankle injury yeah uh back during training camp um, and by all accounts, they felt pretty happy with the prognosis because at first it was like, is he going to be, is this like going to be a really serious injury? It sounds very similar to the Tyrone Crawford situation. Right, yeah. It, it looked it's, a lot worse. It looked bad, and everybody thought it was pretty bad, and then come to find out, not as bad. Still has a possibility, obviously, of playing this week, although I did read earlier uh, that he, is, he has not practiced to this point. No. Uh, he uh, rode the, the stationary bike all day on Monday during their practice. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Odell Beckham and what he's presented for this team. Do you, um, when, when he's at full strength, obviously really, really great player, but there've been some games when he's been a little limited or the Cowboys have limited him to not great plays, but he's made a big play, like a play that has been a difference maker in the game. I mean, the big one that you're probably referring to is last year in New York. I mean, he was the difference in that game and I don't, I think it was one of his only catches of that game. But other than that, he they've done a decent job of limiting limiting him. In the 2015 opener, after J.J. Wilcox cleaned his clock, I think he finished that game with like one catch for. I don't think he was right. I, I don't think he was I don't either. Think he was right. And that, his that stat sheet yeah. indicates that I, he had like fewer than 15 receiving yards. And I don't know off the top of my head what he had in the season opener last year, but he certainly wasn't just lighting him up by any stretch of the imagination. And that's that was kind of the hallmark of this Dallas defense last year is they gave you a little bit but they didn't give you the back breaking play that 
slant that he took for a touchdown being a rare exception. I mean, it didn't happen very often where where an opponent had a long touchdown like that from, you know, 30, 40, 50 yards out. And that was a, a rare exception that ultimately helped contribute and, to them losing that and, game. And I think that, you know, they have that bend but don't break defense um, to not give up plays like that. But he pretty much just split the safeties on that because of his athletic ability. I mean, that, that's that's why, you know, he, he is just so good. I think he's, you know, you said he's really, really good. I think when he's healthy, I think he's probably one of the top – three or four players in, in the league. I really, I believe that. I think he's, you know, I know that he wanted to get paid as the best player in the NFL. And I, and I think you can make an argument for him. He's probably the most exciting player um, in the league. And he's, he, he's just, you know, really, he's been way better than, than anyone I think could have thought. I mean, what was he drafted? 14th, 12th or 13th? I think I was around there. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was there. Or, He's number thirteen. I, I was about to say that, that would be very convenient. It was, it was like the thirteenth. Yeah, it was right around there though. Like it was somewhere between ten and fifteen. Yeah, and uh, I know the Cowboys were interested, but yeah. you know, but they they didn't. What year was that? That was, it was the Zach Martin year. He, okay. He, so, yeah. So they were kind of interested. I mean, I know that they wanted some defensive players, but if he was if he was still available, they would have they would have definitely looked into. I wouldn't be surprised if they would have drafted him if he'd been there because they had a very high grade on him and and. Eric Ebron, people mentioned the Giants could, or the Lions could have had Aaron Donald or or Odell Beckham, and I think they went with Eric Ebron instead, which eesh. he that hurts a little bit now. So, but yeah, I mean, absolutely, and honestly, his presence and his his health, I think, mean everything because I mean, this secondary is not as bad as I think a lot of people give it credit for, but you can i mean think about those options and again brandon marshall's dealing with the shoulder too but you have those two sterling shepherd is a fantastic slot receiver and then we already gave a hell of an intro to ingram uh who who knows if he'll even live up to those expectations but that's just a lot of athleticism for this secondary to deal with to the point where you know what do you do with an athletic tight end like that do you i mean is cheeto awuzier gonna try to play him the way byron jones did do you bring byron jones out of his safety spot to handle that um, are you are you doubling Beckham? I would hope you double Beckham, but you know Rod Marinelli's never really been the type to just go out of his way to focus on a guy like that. He also doesn't typically travel cornerbacks. So if if all of these guys are available, all four of the ones I just mentioned are out there and at full capacity, you're stretching any secondary pretty thin. Let me flip this 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 that thought a little bit. Um, what who you get? Who would you guys say is the best cornerbacks the Cowboys has right now? Skandrick. Skandrick, right? Um, in this scenario, Skandrick, when they're in three wide, when they're in nickel defense, typically he's in the slot. In this instance, you're playing a team where the the least experienced guy on that wide receiver core will probably be the guy that's in the slot in Sterling Shepard. Do you think this is a situation where the Cowboys should, or just you personally, do you think this would be a better idea if the Cowboys were to keep Skandrick on the outside and maybe slide someone else in the slot um, I don't know who that would be, whether that's Anthony Brown. If you Probably think Brown. Do Brown. It. Uh, but do you think that's a better option because of the fact that Skandrick is your better better cornerback and you'd rather – and if you're going to do that, does that mean now that you travel him with Beckham? Man, that, th- those are good questions. I think that you do need to see I, – I mean, I do believe that, that Beckham is going to play. Now, is he 100%? 
you know, you'll, you'll find out. I mean, he, he can st- him being out there is still going to be effective. So it, it, unless he absolutely just can't walk or run, or it's going to hurt himself long term. I, you know, I still think that they play him, but that could affect what you do there. You know, do you travel him? I mean, at him at eighty five percent, he's not one of the most dynamic players in the league anymore at that point. So maybe maybe you can kind of play it straight up a little bit. I, I don't really see this as a situation to follow because they've got three great receivers. I think you need to play your defense the way you want to play it. You guys quickly said Scandrick, but I don't think it's he's that much better than the other guys. No. I, so I, I, just, I, I would yeah. just play my defense, I, I think. I, because it's a pick your poison. It's not like, oh, you know, this guy's not any good. Shepard could beat him all day. Brandon Marshall could as well. Ingram. I mean, just look at the preseason and look at last year. The tight ends can kill this team sometimes. So that's something that Byron Jones really, I think Jones and Heath, they need to step up their game this year from that standpoint. The tight end, covering the tight end. Um, you know, we've seen too many games where, where, you know, some guy, you don't even really even know who he is, and he's got six or seven catches. Are you at all concerned about when you look at this cornerback group? Really, Nolan Carroll is obviously the biggest guy they got in, in that group, but they really don't have size at the cornerback position. And and in this game particularly, you're facing a beastly wide receiver in Brandon Marshall. Yeah. Are you at all concerned about how that matchup works, especially if you say, Nick, you're not going to travel anybody, so sure. you're not going to say, Nolan Carroll, you're going to be with him. Now he's lined up on Anthony Brown. Now he's lined up on Skandrick. How do you feel about these corners and their size and the size they give up against big wide receivers? Fun little wrinkle here, which it's, I mean, they haven't practiced yet this week. I have no idea what he's ready for, but Benet Benwickery, he's not huge, but he's 5'11", 200. He's, he's, in mean, this group, that's a big yes, cornerback. He's yes, he's bigger than what they've had during the preseason. So if he can get up to speed, that's a bigger physical guy that can help you with this. I don't know if you throw him out there against Marshall or what you do with him, but it gives you a little bit of a boost in the in the size category, which assuming he's healthy, again, nobody's practiced, but Cheeto is on the bigger side too. I don't think he's quite six foot, but he's right in that, you know, five eleven, six foot to you know, close to two hundred pounds. So you should have a little bit more size for this game than what you have had. But I, I'm I'm with Nick. I I like Orlando Scandrick in the slot. I leave him in there. If he can nullify or do his best to nullify Sterling Shepard and let everybody else just kind of piece it together outside. I think that's I'm fine with that because there is there is that advantage of like you just you said a little bit earlier with Sterling Shepard. He's one of those targets that helps Eli get the ball out quick. You nullify that, maybe it does create yeah. a, an extra second, an extra mm-hmm. second sure. and a half to where maybe your defensive front can possibly get home. Well, Same Beckham's. Right Beckham's going to go all over the place as well. So, I mean, sometimes he'll, be in, he'll be in the slot some, and it'll just be a cat and mouse game of, you know, at times they'll play Skandrick here, they'll move Brown out, they'll move guys around. And, you know, I just think it's going to be a good matchup. I mean, those three receivers are definitely better than the Cowboys' three or four corners, but. Cowboys are going to beat them. Oh. Oh. Hey. Not even Friday. <laughs> Not even Friday. Okay. But, wow. Okay. I mean, I, 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 let's know that. Their offensive line is not great. I mean, they're struggling with that. So aside from that, I'm just picturing this whole thing, how it plays out. Yeah, Eli gets rid of the ball quickly. He still needs some improvement on his completion game. But aside from that, you talk, you talk about you talk about Beckham. I don't think he'll be at his fullest. Obviously, he's coming off from an injury, and I don't even. 
Are you I mad at him that because you drafted him in fantasy last year and he wasn't that great for you? Did I have him last year? I thought so. Didn't you like? Didn't no, we, no. We I think game? I think my team wouldn't have been last oh. if I had him. <laughs> oh, you were last. <laughs> right. I was one of the last ones. Yeah, but <laughs> one of the last ones. <laughs> I, Why we're not yeah. playing this year? Yeah, I'm out. Um, <laughs> no, but I just don't see him playing at his fullest. Um, Marshall, yeah. What is it? A six-time Pro Bowler or, or something been, like that? Probably a, a ten-time Pro Bowler. I, don't I mean, know. the guy has eight eight seasons of his eleven seasons where he's had a thousand plus yards. I mean, he's this is a most this is a really good wide receiver, underrated player. I agree with in you. recent history of yeah. the league. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because when you start talking about the best receivers in the league, his name is rarely among those top three or four. But if you look at his numbers and what he's consistently done, and especially if you look at the quarterbacks he's done it with. His best it's hard to not say he's he's up there. Best quarterback ever was Jay Cutler. Cutler. Yeah. And good luck with that. And I think that <laughs> there are players on this team and, and around the league for sure, but on this team that can look at Brandon Marshall as an example of a guy that was very knuckleheadish. Early, say the least. Yeah. I mean he you Well go he back had some and, issues like back in, yeah. bipolar and I mean yeah. he had some I think they had some domestic issues. It mm-hmm. might, it might, yeah, and and I think you know he's turned his his career around. I mean, I remember in 2008 when the Cowboys practiced that with them, um, and Pac-Man Jones was like talking. You know, he was he was in there talking smack to Brandon Marshall. You know about how you know he he felt like To was better than him or something like that. Or he's no he's no To. And then Brandon Marshall came back and said, "Well, he's no Champ Bailey." I mean, I can't believe it's been nine years since that. But I was, I was remember thinking like, "Who's who's Brandon Marshall? Like, who's this guy? Is he any good?" <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's pretty, good. pretty good. He's been the best of all. The, well, I don't know if he's been better than To. I was about to say, no, nah, he's not better than To. But he's, I mean. He's he's got himself a nice little resume. Yeah. I'll say this: if if he would have played with the quarterbacks that To was played, To played with, yeah, then he probably would be as good, if if not better, than To. Wait, uh, who To played with? Played with Romo. He played with Garcia. Steven Steve Young. Steve I Young. Play. Like he played Don, with Donovan McNabb. Je- Donovan McNabb. All of those are better than <laughs> the best one that, that Brandon Marshall played with and Jay Cutler. Yeah, I agree. With okay. No doubt about it. All right. It. Yeah. No doubt about you it. You say Donovan McNabb? Yeah. Donovan McNabb is better than Jay Cutler. Yes, he is. Do you not think? Don't even think about it. Do you not it. think yes, Donovan is. McNabb's good? Yeah, yeah. He's we, better than Jay Cutler. We've argued about Donovan McNabb. We have. If anybody's been listening back in the day, we argued every time the Cowboys played the Eagles about how I felt about McNabb versus how he felt about McNabb. So. It's all good. I don't really like Cutler either, so. <laughs> either. I don't care. In other words, I don't care about McNabb either. Don't care. Don't care. All right. Um, one other thing I wanted to, to ask you guys about with regards to the secondary, um, which do you feel more comfortable with, taking Byron Jones and sliding him down and letting him kind of take on tight end responsibilities, or would you rather have him back on the deep end uh, rather than, than Heath? Who, who do you feel like is more – would you feel more comfortable with being as your, your center fielder? Because they do run a lot of single safety high. This goes – I mean, it goes back to – not to sound like Brian brought us, but it's – terrible how much time those rookies missed because ideally this sounds like something Cheeto could do if he'd been practicing for the last three weeks I mean maybe he can do it but we don't know that and how much time when he was practicing how much time did he spend at safety none 
So I would not, but I'm thinking more of just like an in the box kind of like traveling around. Like, you know, Byron wasn't really a safety when he was doing that as a rookie. You know, he was just more of like a big nickel. That's the way I thought of him. Um, but just, I haven't seen Cheeto in three weeks. And I don't know if I like the idea of taking Byron, you know, down out of the safety spot because I really like his athleticism when it comes time to clean up messes, which I'm sure there will be some in this mm-hmm. game. So I trust that he could do that job better than anybody else, but I don't, I, that sounds you like, you don't like what you have to give up on the back. Sounds like it leaves you awfully vulnerable on the back end. If that's what you want to do. That's what, that's where I would rather see him is that, that center fielder type. Even though, you know, I think we've seen more plays from Jeff Heath in that role than we have up closer to the line of scrimmage and covering. So, you know, you wish you could have Byron Jones do both. But I think – Only in, got think, one of them. Yeah, I, I would probably put Heath up up closer to the line of scrimmage. And that's where they might rotate. That's where Frazier might come into play. Yeah, I mean, I would, and I, that's a great segue, actually, because one thing I think is worth mentioning is – Okay, Giants O-line, I know they're not great. Eli gets rid of the ball quick. We know that, too. What about the run game? It's not anything awe-inspiring on their end. Paul Perkins, I think, is going to be their starter at this point. They drafted Wayne Gallman. They've got Shane Vereen, who's more of a, you know, he's that Lance Dunbar-type guy. Sproles kind of guy, yeah. Um, I think they averaged 2.8 yards per carry in their last preseason outing against, I think it was the Browns. So I do think Paul Perkins is better than Jennings, though. I think they'll have a better running game this year if the offensive line can block anything. Well, and I guess that's it's not a knock on Paul Perkins because the Cowboys liked him in the draft too. Right, like yeah. he's a solid back, and I think Gallman's pretty good too. But I don't just I don't know how much fear that offensive line puts in your heart that they're gonna just block you up and run wild on you. Oh, so yeah, right. if there's a game where you can get away with playing a lot of nickel and dime and against these receivers and tight just more dbs get them all i want eight on the field and just figure it out and fortunately maybe you can get away with that in this game because again this running game doesn't strike a lot of fear in my heart you've got sean lee to help clean up anything that gets past the line so that is something i think works in the cowboys favor is that the giants ineptitude in the run game maybe frees you up to play a more pass-heavy defense. All right, let's take our final break. We'll come back. Let's get some questions. The number is 214-872-2102. Again, it is 214-872-2102. You can also hit us on Twitter, at Cowboys Break. We'll be right back. To work this big land, you need equipment with values rooted as deep in Texas soil as you are. Like John Deere compact tractors with a six-year powertrain warranty and big features that help you work less so you have more time to do what you love. John Deere was first in the Texas fields and we're proud to be on the field as the official ag and turf equipment of the Dallas Cowboys. Find Texas-sized deals at myjohndeerdealer.com slash football. Terms, conditions, exclusions, and warranty limitations apply. See below for details. We, the entertainment-loving people, demand the best unlimited wireless plan ever from AT&T. What else do you want, a unicorn? Maybe. Only AT&T offers you unlimited data with HBO included and never pay overages. Get AT&T Unlimited Plus, our best wireless deal on unlimited data. Plus save $25 per month on DirecTV. It's entertainment your way. After 22 gigabytes of data usage, AT&T may slow speeds. Plan includes stream saver and videos will stream in standard definition unless you turn it off. $25 DirecTV savings requires AT&T Unlimited Plus. Credits start within three bills. Service prices subject to change. Other usage, speed, fees, charges, and restrictions apply. See att.com slash unlimited for details. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive 
game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel, Will McClay, and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Jack Black products are carefully formulated with the finest natural ingredients and proven high-performance skincare technology. You'll find these performance products in the locker room at the Ford Center and in the luxury suites at AT&T Stadium. Go to our website at getjackblack.com and check out all of our game-changing products, including Beard Lube, our award-winning shave cream, and Deep Dive Glycolic Facial Cleanser, a Men's Health Award winner. Again, that's getjackblack.com. Nothing complicated, nothing cosmetic, just superior skincare. Back to the break. Welcome back. It's the final segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Um, let's jump in and get some questions. You guys can call us at numbers 214-872-2102. Again, 214-872-2102. You can also hit us on Twitter at Cowboys Break. We'll start with a phone call from Phil in France. Phil, what up? Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Uh, I, have a, I have a hot and sunny hill from Bourgogne, France. Uh, I want right. to first to express my sympathy to and tell the people in southern Texas <clears throat> that I keep them in my prayers and I wish them the best. To be mm-hmm. confident and to be motivated and proud to rebuild what Mother Nature took away. Texans fans, I'm sure you'll be welcomed in Dallas and its area as I was when I was in there at different times. Uh, I love all the shows, and I watch every one of them live or on replay. I watched I watched some on Twitter and noticed a lot of non-Cowboys fans were watching too and trying to make noise with dumb sentences. I want to stay polite, correct, and respectful on air. Then I wondered why, and I discovered that it was because you have the best streaming sh- team shows on the NFL, and they are jealous. Sorry Merci for you, Cowboys haters. We fans... <laughs> We fans feel we have the best team because of its great owner, GM, organization, and players, and because of you all who are working for so hard for DallasCowboys.com. You're the GOAT. I want to rant a little bit about the Ziki situation and being from afar. I'm going to lean the way the great conspiracy do, and I'm going to sound like an alcoholic, maybe. I mean, all 31 other teams, and especially three in our conference, the mayor and commissioner himself and his darling Kraft Pets leading, they don't want their ass kicked for another 10 years like in the 90s. I mean, the league don't want any more Cowboys dynasty. Now, uh, I'm just going to say that I'm not afraid by the We Giants. I think uh, if we eat them hard and bad, and they'll surrender a la OBJ last year. Let Manning feel the heat, and he'll be all over the place trying to connect with his wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, go Cowboys. All Thanks right. for taking Michael, and I wish you a great day. Thank you. We appreciate it. Make that a drop when Merci. he said, you're the goat. <laughs> that was awesome. Both of y'all should have <laughs> talked to him, right? I, that made me wish that I still kept up with my French. I think I think it, it, I was just gonna say let's let y'all just go and both of y'all could have talked to him. You're for, fluent, right, Amber? In Span- I mean, it's French. Yeah, it's been probably like ten years now since I've constantly spoken. But yeah, 
I'm sure you can still P- piece it together. <laughs> piece it together. The thing about I, I know this from experience. When you communicate to a French person that you can speak French, all bets are off. Like they're just gonna, they're coming. They're gonna go. <laughs> they're just like, oh, okay, well, and then it's just the and flood, you're lost. The floodgates are open, and yeah, <laughs> so anyway. But <laughs> one thing, he, one thing he did point out that I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, he was talking about Eli Manning. He was like, no more Cowboys on. dynasty. That's what he was talking about. Yes, that was one of the things he was uh, talking I, about. That was he hit one on of the lot. things that stood out to me. Yeah, they were like, the they were like going against things. this Cowboys dynasty. But when he mentioned about Eli Manning, he said, you put pressure on him, he'll be throwing the ball all over the place. And although he gets rid of the ball quickly, that is one thing that that you could say about yeah. Eli is when he gets pressure. And I don't know, you can't say that about a whole bunch of quarterbacks in the league. But when you can get pressure on him, then even though he might get it out quickly, it's probably going to yeah. be a, a bit more erratic. And that's when you have opportunities, right? I said this, yeah, and I said this yesterday. Actually, somebody emailed the mailbag this morning and said, basically, the the gist of the email was, I don't remember y'all writing about the defensive line giving the offensive line this much trouble last year. So, is the offensive line taking a step back, or is the defensive line just better? I think you could probably, I mean, I, Ron Leary is better than whoever's going to play left guard. And I and Lyle Collins is still learning. So I think it's fair to say that this offensive line is not as good as last year's was, at least not right now. But I still think that the defensive line has improved, honestly. From And, and no, they're not the Broncos but or the Seahawks, but I think they're – I think they're a little bit better than I thought they would be. And I wonder, especially if this offensive line, this Giants offensive line, is as leaky as people give it credit for, I wonder how they'll do. Like, I kind of feel like maybe they'll get some pressure on this guy. You know, don't forget that at this point last year, Leary, I don't think, was the starter, right? That that is true. It was Lyle and then Doug Free. So I I think the line did get a little bit better because Doug Free was injured kind of the start of the year, too. So. Overall, I think the five guys on the line got better as the year went on. Um, but we'll see about what you're saying. I mean, I think that they, they'll be able to dial it up on the defensive end and, and, and get some pressure. And you're right. I mean, Eli will throw some some bad passes. I mean, that's why he makes those faces, because he'll make some <laughs> bad decisions, uh, like a lot of quarterbacks do when when they get pressure. So um, That's actually when you asked, like, what stood out about the, the two main – my two main memories from last year – well, the Beckham, oh. the Beckham touchdown in the second game, the Terrence sideline debacle, which really wasn't a debacle because it would have been like a 60-yard field goal anyway. And then Eli threw like one of the worst picks I've ever seen. To Brandon Carr. Brandon Carr. I mean. Like on the first possession of the third quarter. It was just. It was like he felt. He's like, I know you haven't had a pick in two years. It, I'm like literally. <laughs> it was a pretty exciting moment. I saw like the play happened live. You would have dropped that one. <laughs> the play happened live and I was like, bro. Brandon Carr got a pick. Oh my God. Blah, blah, blah. And then I watched the replay and like literally all Carr had to do was just kind of sink down to his knees and catch it. Cause the receiver, I think it was Beckham or the receiver, whoever it was, was just standing there like, and what are you doing? If you don't remember it, just, re- just know this, that Larry Brown had two more difficult interceptions in the Super Bowl 30 against the Steelers than, than what he had. It was something else. That's for sure. But you know, I kind of agree with you that I do think the defensive line, is better. I also think this is also a function of every time a defensive lineman were to beat an offensive lineman during training camp, it's it an, became news. Yeah, it's a big because upset. the offensive line is so good. That's that true. If they got beat, then it was like, oh wow, wow, they beat beat Martin on that play. You know, that was a huge deal. If somebody beat Martin on a play, 
when, you know, vast majority of the time, Martin was, you know, he's steady. You weren't going to beat him. So I think it's a little bit of both. This but I do agree they, were, they, are, they are better. I think they're better. They don't have the guy that you have to game plan around. Right. Which is a problem. But of any, I mean, DeMarcus, Mayowa, Paya, Malik. I, and and when he gets back, when they get back, Demontre Moore and David Irving. I mean, and I'll, Tyrone Crawford too. I'll throw him in. Like, can't you can imagine all of those guys getting five or six, right? Like, facts. Yeah. I don't know. I said you can imagine. I didn't say it was going to happen. It was like, <laughs> like, like one of those guys will get five or six. I think three or four of them will probably have between four and six. I mean, that's what they did last year. Honestly, I, mean, I think there will be one guy that gets up to probably about six or seven. Taco? And I think it's probably going to be Malik. La- Malik had five and a half last year. Tyrone had four and a half. Mayowa had six. That right? I mean, that's a solid start. If you can get two other guys yeah. to come along with you and get five or six, you may be cooking a little so bit. So yesterday talking to – That sounds good. Right. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I can imagine all of those guys getting into that I range. I can see what you're saying. Um, talking to Tyrone Crawford yesterday, and um, he was just saying how he feels pretty good. You you know he's not going to be 100%, but he's, he feels pretty good. He said that he didn't think when he was on the field, when he got injured, that he would be at this point talking even talking about week one. But then I asked him about often, uh, playing defensive tackle since they only have three tackles. Or playing some end, he was just like, "Yeah, that, yeah, sounds good. Like, <laughs> okay, like you're not really." Good. It was pretty funny. I was there. I watched it. He kind of ignored Nick right away. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like talked myself out of the question. You know, like based off of his. <laughs> I response. felt embarrassed for you. Don't worry about that. Bit. Yeah, I can, um, that's just part of being a reporter. Yeah, I was about to say this, but I kind of asked him. I said, time, right? "I said like, do you?" Um, because usually, usually when you ask a question, you kind of like open open it up for them to cut you off with the answer. So I was like, "Yeah, they they kept three tackles. You've played a little bit of both. Do you see yourself playing, you know, some defensive tackle? Or are you going to stick to end where you've been most of the time? Or and he was like, mm, or you're just not going to say anything because it's week one. Yeah, okay, cool. Thank you. And I don't think he even said. Did he say anything? He I don't think so. Question, no, basically, just so. waiting for the next question. He's so that just okay, but I got the answer. By by no answer, I got the answer. He's going to play defensive tackle, and that's something he probably didn't want to say. Probably right. Yeah, he probably. I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he probably doesn't want to do it. He's probably like, can I just play a position? Can you just? Oh yeah. But I would bet he's probably he's going to do like a lot of these guys have done over the years with Rod Marinelli. He's going to probably be doing both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There'll be times you look out there and he's at defensive tackle. There are times you look out there look out there and he's at defensive end. Like there you got a lot of guys that do that, and that's what they've kind of built this defensive line to do is to be flexible and have guys that that can jump around it's, from position to position. It's a shame because, you know, I had a couple of coaches say that he he has finally, you know, just healthy and he was he was looking really good. Like and not only was he was he playing, you know, was he real athletic, but you could tell he was taking on kind of that leadership role. Like that day he just kind of went off at practice. Yep. He just was just fighting everyone, you know, cuz he had seen the day before that they were getting beat. So he wasn't doing anything like winning in practice, but he was just going to say, well, if anything, I'm just going to fight. And I think that right there, once that happened, the defense kind of turned a little bit. They started winning a little bit more. So gives you some energy. He's yeah. taking a little more of that role. And I was going to, I mean, we can have all the conversations you want about his effectiveness and whether his paycheck is, is justifiable, but you can't question that he's a good soldier and the famous. Tough. 
the right kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, he the dude plays through injuries, plays like, through everything, yeah. moves to whatever position they tell him to. Just, I mean, and and he's if you're gonna identify like a leader, father figure in the defensive line room, it's him. So he handles all that stuff. You can't question any of that about him. That's somebody asked me yesterday, you know, if I thought he was actually ready to play or if it was just a situation where they needed him. I was like, he hasn't been ready to play in like two years in terms of, you know, his health, but he's just a tough, tough dude. So, I mean, yeah, I think he'll be out there. That's not even a question, is it? I don't think it's a question at this point. It sounds like it's actually happening. All right, let's take a question from Twitter. Well, here's a quick comment from Dustin saying, Phil from France is the man. So thanks again, Phil, for the call. And Rob is asking, does the extra extra sorry week off adversely affect the Cowboys versus Giants due to the canceled preseason game? I really don't think that matters at all because they they all did what they were going to do. That's I don't think a single guy that will factor heavily in this game played yeah. or would have played. I mean, Xavier Woods, Kayvon Frazier. Yeah, they got to practice they, in. They practiced and they didn't get hurt, so. I don't think it really helps because I don't think it is an advantage that the Giants didn't have. I mean, the, the yeah. key players for the Giants, I'm sure, didn't play in their last game either. So, nah, I don't think that that does anything to them. If Rob wants to ask us a question, just tell him to come downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Rob, quit twitting from up there. Twitting. Uh-huh, twitting. twitting. Okay, I do have an accent. Okay. <laughs> what? Big deal. <laughs> what? Let's get over it. <laughs> All right, another question from Twitter. Okay, questions about the, what is it called? Suspended, here it is. Suspended guys, do you guys think that it will really affect the Cowboys in this, in the next games? Uh, Irving, Demontre Moore. Let's start with the Giants. Not having, not having these guys will really affect the team. Yeah, just start with the Giants game, the guys that are out for yeah. the Giants game. Do you think that's going to have a big impact on this game? Does is Charles Tapper going to play, you think? You think he's going to suit up and play? I had a conversation with somebody yesterday where we were – I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the seventh inactive. I don't know that for sure. But but, but they only have eight. Yeah. And they I don't think he'll play. I, I saw I, his face yesterday. He didn't seem like he's going to play. I read his face. <laughs> just read his, his face. Yeah, read his, his body mind? language, his okay. face. I don't know. Oh, this Damn. guy is not going to play this week. Thought about walking up to him and just asking him? I thought so, but just because I saw his face, I'm like, he's not not in the mood. I got this. I mean, yeah, they would be short on the defensive line if he's inactive because they only have eight right now. Yeah. If if he does play, then then yeah, I think that you certainly would – you're going to miss what you would have had with DeMontre Moore or Irving or both. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that it's a – it affects it because David Irving's the type of versatile player that can that can do what you say, play inside. And if the Giants have some players on their line that you think you can take advantage of, David Irving's been the type of player that you can see that can kind of, you know, he he can yeah. uh, win those mismatches. So yeah, I would, I would definitely like to have him out there. If it wasn't, if they were both healthy, I mean, they're both uh, active to play. Tapper, I don't know if Tapper would be on the team actually. I don't. I, I mean, when, the, when both those guys are back, they're going to have to make some kind of decisions well, on you the can, defensive line, right? That's stuff to get creative to. like you did in some other injuries. Just get creative. <laughs> that stuff tends to take care of itself. It I trust am, with a, him. Over a month over a, for Irving, I don't know so much about Demontre Moore. I mean, maybe you get through two games without any significant injuries, and then you have to make, make some a tough, tough decision, calls. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, real quick. I've seen a lot of questions about Switzer. Do you guys think that we'll get to see him this week? And if so, how much will he contribute to the team? See. Oh, see, I think we. we're gonna, I think we're going to see Ryan Switzer. Yes, I do too. I mean, well, why he, would what, I mean, do yeah, what? Yeah, but, do you but you know, that's the thing about offense. It. Like, uh, that's the thing. I mean, everybody's like talking about Switzer, but the fact of the matter is, there are a ton of guys ahead of him as far as guys that when you start just going down the list of guys that will get the ball on offense, I think you're probably going to get to probably fifth before you get to his name, probably. Maybe more. I don't know. I mean, at least fifth, right? So I I, just, oh, I, I don't I don't expect a whole lot a lot more than most of your guys. He's going to touch the football more as a punt return guy. Yeah, and special special teams is where yeah. he's that's where that's right. where they drafted right. him. But I guess that's what I was saying yeah. is that's where I was going was I think on offense whatever you get is going to be gravy. I don't think there's a lot that's built for him. So he may get a, a few opportunities. I don't think it'll be a lot. Special teams is where he'll have opportunity to make a mark. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's where my expectations are to start. But I wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to. This week, get yeah, I don't with know with those little sweeps, yeah, and little jet, jet sweep. sweeps and little you know little swing routes. What they and used stuff. to do with uh, with your boy, lucky, yeah. lucky, yes. What they used to do. <laughs> is with he a free agent now? Yes, he's hurt though. Hurt free agent. That's I not ever good. I want to. I would guess he was waived injured because he broke his foot. I don't know. I haven't really been paying a lot of attention to him. Jets cut him, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's not good. All right. One more question. I was just gonna say real quick. I'm really excited to see Switzer. And I, I know everyone is, but at least in the punt return game versus Lucky Whitehead, oh my God, he would annoy me so much last year. Like <laughs> you take this stuff, so, you take this stuff so personal because we're watching from up it? there. It's yeah. like it's like when you see a fight, you know, or boxing or stuff or something like that. You want to like you're kind of imitating the thing. And want to be in it. I see Lucky Whitehead I, last year. I have never <laughs> once want wanted to be on an NFL <laughs> okay, football Okay, okay. <laughs> or in a boxing What game. I'm trying yeah. to say, Wait, watching Lucky Whitehead. <laughs> no, I haven't. Okay. It was – it's clearly. Uh, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Let's stop that joke. Okay. I'm just saying, watching Lucky Whitehead from up there or anywhere you're at, especially from up high, you just see him dancing around the field. And, yeah, he was a fast player, but he never really did anything. And that was annoying. It was very frustrating. You're not wrong. I mean, run, run to the right, run to the left, oh, ah, uh, ah, uh, and nothing. Then he's still there. I think Switzer's going to be fine, but I, you do get the little bit of the backup quarterback syndrome with him because we haven't seen him yet. Right. So yeah. every, you know, he's Wes Welker meets Cole Beasley meets Tyreek Hill, and Until you know, he's not. If he'd played in the preseason and fumbled some punts, and everybody's like, oh my god, I hate this guy. What's he doing back there? So, I, I think he'll be fine, but I do think. The hype to see him probably exceeds what he's actually going to do, at least to start. That's a wrap. We appreciate you joining us. We'll be back tomorrow, 9.30 a.m. Central. Till then, for Nick Geatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!